This is Edge the Edges, where we climb the steep cliffs of the divide, the issues that separate us from the right and the left, and we do the hard work of closing that divide to find the common ground we know we all share. I'm B.S. Brown, your host. Welcome to part two of our introductory program. America is at a crossroads. What will we do? What will you do? I say, let's do the work. Let's peel away at the extremes, those things that divide us. The tail is wagging the dog. Small groups of small-minded people with outsized voices are commanding the stage, and the rest of us, well, we suffer for it. It's time for us to change that. It's time for us to lean into discomfort, have the hard conversations, and together, together, we'll etch the edges. said before we're about closing the ideological divide this is a family affair we are one team and to that end i have brought some very special guests to the microphone and what i really want you to understand is my family's close to me i love them greatly and we are all not necessarily of one mind but we are of one approach so i've got my wife and my daughter i'm going to introduce them and we're going to lean into discomfort and have some conversations when you listen to them i think you're going to be pleasantly surprised we talk about heavy topics on Edgy Edges, and from time to time, they will be my special guests because, like I said, they are the team. So first, I'm going to introduce my daughter, Elle Brown. Elle, why don't you introduce yourself? Elle Lindsay Brown, just to be clear. Hi. Well, as you just heard my dad say, my name is Elle. I'm 13, and I like to debate on these type of topics for fun against my family most of the time. Awesome. Against the family, right? Erica, my lovely wife. I'm Erica Lindsay Brown, and... Um... This is just a very common practice in our family. We like to discuss. And it's just a pleasure that our child has become a part of this discussion um, so fervently. And does she participate in just so quickly? Like, I wasn't expecting it to happen. She's been like this since she was about probably seven or eight. Yeah, maybe earlier than that. One of the things we have in our home... And we often like to say, if you don't have one, you need to get one. We have a library. We don't have a living room. We have a library. And one of my first pictures of my daughter is, I think she's maybe about nine months or ten months old. She's got a book in her lap. And it's just an amazing thing. And I think that's the kind of environment we foster here in the Brown household, which is why it's it's so great to have her on the podcast. So we're going to jump right in. Um as you guys know, again, the intro show is about 2020 and all of the things. There's just so much stuff. And right now, you know, we're, we're focused on this police brutality topic and everything that goes with it and the history and the legacy. And one thing I wanted to throw out there is my family, we like to take visits to places that have significance when we take vacation. Sometimes we will just up and go visit a plantation. If you are of color and you haven't been to a plantation, my wife will be the first one to tell you to go check one out. It's something you should do. Um, we also went to check out the Legacy Museum in Montgomery. That is an unsolicited plug. If you don't understand the impact of slavery and its, its legacy and what it's done to people of color all the way to today and how that is part of what people are protesting and marching for, then you should go take a look and get a firm understanding of what it means when if you look at someone the wrong way, you might die. That's, that's, a, that's a heavy topic. But from that, 
you know, we want to go into what's going on today, the, the police and how they police our people and at-risk communities in that perspective. And I know my daughter has some thoughts on policing and things of that nature. So, Elle, why don't you go ahead and speak your mind? The microphone is yours. Well, I mean, I guess we'll just start off with black on black crime. I feel like when, you know, we're talking about like white people, like shooting black people or stuff like that, that's happening right now. I feel like the first thing that white people will usually go to say is that, oh, but why don't we talk about black on black crime? Which is a way that they're trying to deflect, which in the first point, you should go straight forward and go on to the topic and not deflect onto something else that has really no point of it. Black on black crime is just regular cr crime. It's just like white on white crime. It's just regular crime. And I feel like the reason why black and white crime is just so different and so much more talked about is because usually it ends up being the black man that's killed, not the other way around. Um, and I just feel like, you know, in our society, people are still threatened by a big, black, scary man who's muscular and, like, tall. So they feel like that they are threatened, so they need to shoot them. I don't agree with that, and I feel like that's just a stereotype. And, you know, maybe it is part of, like, a power thing. And I kind of feel like that's just sad. Like, you really need to exert your power so much that you need to take someone's life. Or you need to put their knee on their neck. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Very good, El. Very good. I, I we really do appreciate that commentary. And I just want to pass it on to Erica. What do you think about this black on black crime thing? This whatever that is. Um, what do I think about black on black crime? I well, if, if we're talking about in the context of those people that are going against. Um, or holding it out as a way of supposedly taking an objective view about what it is that Black Lives Matter is trying to accomplish. And to, to point out in, um, in contrast that there is not a focus on the much larger numbers and crimes amongst Black people, which is Black on Black crime. Um, it's just like what Elle said, it's just, um, it's just a distractor. Although I will say that when you first mentioned it to me, I remember where we were, we were in the car, we were leaving, um, having visited Michelle and you were talking about, um, the situation that your frat brother's daughter had in the school with this boy, this white boy saying, well, you know, people don't seem to be getting upset about black-on-black -black crime. We need to focus on that. And isolated by itself as a statement, I agree with it. We should be concerned about black-on-black -black crime. But in a broader context, if you're using it to say that, um, to focus on police brutality is so irrelevant in the face of black on black crime because it happens so much more frequently. Um, then that's a, that's, it's a completely different thing. Um, because the point is, is that the, the power structure, those people that are supposed to protect and serve us are not protecting us and they're serving us, um, fear. So it's, it's just, a it's a completely different, it, it you know, language and how you phrase it, it, it means so much. So do we really think black on black crime is a real thing? I mean, in what context? You mean like do black Like in people, general? Because yeah. that happens. Black people, of course, do crime against black people. But I mean, if you're talking about like, like white people, we do this to black people, but like black and black crime exists too, then no. Speak up a little bit so the white can hear you. Oh, well, I mean, if you're trying to say that, like, oh, but, like, black, white and black crime exists, but, you know, like, what about black and black crime? Then, like, no. You're distracting from the whole point. That's that's very good. I totally agree with that because I don't believe in black and black crime. I think it's a, you know like what? you said, No, I don't believe in it. It's just a distractor, and on top of that, it's just general crime. You don't say white and what, white on white crime. That's just crime. I, I kind of disagree. Um, I'm going to say because... 
mostly because of the death penalty institute they compile statistics on um the death penalty itself by state and and by by gender and very specifically pointedly um by race um they compile this information and I'm saying that it that race does matter in in crime and murder because if you look at the statistics, you can see it borne out how the institution of racism and how the criminal justice system um, overwhelmingly punishes black people disproportionately to white people in terms of their crimes. So, and I mean the disparity is huge. If you if the, the black people that get the death penalty, it's something like three-fourths of them get it when they have committed a um, an offense against a white person. But that's not black-on-black black crime. Well, I'm talking about it in comparison, though. But when black people do things to hurt other black people, they don't get the death penalty as often as when white, they commit a crime against a white person. And I'm only saying that to point out that I do think that it is important to talk about race in crimes as well as in because we then can talk about it in terms of punishment. Do you see what I'm saying? So because the punishment demonstrates the disparity in how we're treated and the racism in the system. So that's the reason why I think it is important to say, okay, this is black on black as compared to black on white, as compared to white on white because you need to be able to talk about how the punishment are meted out. And it's very different. If you are a black person, you will most assuredly get stiffer punishments if you do anything as an offense against a white person. But if you do something against a black person, who cares? Yeah, I get that. It, the, the, it's That's like still when you, crime. Yeah, oh, it's yeah still crime. totally agree. And stats get used however they get used. But my challenge with that perspective is, that's not what the white folks are doing. Oh, I, I, I agree. They're, they're manipulating it. And when, that when they said, say black on black crime, it ain't got nothing to do with yeah, how folks of get penalized. Of they, they, why are you relating it to black on black crime? I'm relating it because it is important to keep track of the injustice that black people face in the judicial exactly. system. And that has nothing. Well, I mean, it, it, does, it does have something with black on black crime. But like, I'm saying that it's important as a comparative between between black on black crime and black on white crime or white on black crime. That's why I'm saying it's important because you can't look at how the justice is meted out if you don't look at the the crimes themselves. So I'm just saying it as a comparative. Yeah, crime is crime. But when a crime is committed against a black person, things don't happen. The tool, the, you know, the system does not you know, punish as harshly as when those crimes happen against white people. But yes, I'm saying that for a very different reason than how clearly these people use it as an argument to say that black lives matter is kind of irrelevant. Yeah, but I do think that knowing that there is a distinction between how they're treated is important. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and, and we just got to be real I'm careful right because yeah, the, yeah, you went there. Which I'm is not what giving. We do. I'm not giving them. I'm not giving them any support to say that that's a legitimate argument that they make against black life at all. That's why we got to be careful about the language, right? Because if we say that, well, we even if we say it matters in context of statistics mm -hmm. on punishment, mm -hmm. then that gives them something to latch on to to continue the language. Because the language is language really is important. important. Language. language is important. And when they say black on black crime, that's, they talk about Chicago, black on black crime, and you guys don't Chicago. care. And what we need to, in my opinion, counter with is crime is crime. It has no ethnicity. And race is the one race. We don't have different races. We track stacks by ethnicity, which we call a race. And I personally think that that needs to be changed. Not that you don't track it, but you call it something different. Because the social structure is what continues to divide us. But it all makes sense. So yeah, I definitely get that from the punishment perspective. But to your point, L, definitely. It's, it's... I just feel like that's just such an inconsistent, like, not inconsistent. I just feel like that's such a... It's a distraction. It's a... 
It's a cop out. It's a cop out. It oh, is. oh, but black black on black it crime. Is. What about that? Okay. It's a typical construction okay. that white people <laughs> want to use to distract because they don't want to. They really feel uncomfortable look- talking about they, the black and they, white crime, which predominantly happens against the black people who end up being the victims. But yeah, you know, they sometimes they, they yeah. ain't ready for that conversation. They don't want to look at themselves. It's fine. And so it's always a deflection. It's never about and that is the very frustrating thing about, you know, having conversations with white people or interacting with them. I used to all the time in my STEM class, this one kid. And now that I look back on it, he would deflect all the time during my conversations. Let's not use names. Oh. Go ahead. This white kid, um, I would always <laughs> have conversations with him. And, you know, just... I feel like now that I look back on it, it was kind of like deflecting. Yeah, and, and we did with that. And the funny thing about that, right, and we want to highlight this, is the kimono being totally open about an average conversation that happens often enough in a household of people of color. We talk about these types of things all the time. 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 <laughs> and, yeah, what mommy- you know, other folks don't necessarily do that because... They don't have to deal with the same challenges yeah. that people of color do. Yeah. So we want to be open and honest, and that's part of what's happening in this in this podcast. And, and this is you know, how we are. This I is how we literally are. Literally, how we. And we want our brothers and sisters right. to know that. I, I have to say that, baby. I got to get that out. We want them to know that. And and what you guys just witnessed is me trying to get something out while my daughter was trying to speak. And often enough, she just says that daddy might be over talking her. But you get the last word, and then we should move on to the next question. I remember you said in the car, you were saying that in, like, conversations, usually when I'm with my friends, black and, like, being a minority always comes up. And it's just so true. I usually Mm -hmm. talk about that all the time with my friend. It somehow always comes up. Especially when you're, like, with another friend that's a minority. It just usually does. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like that's just, like, a way to cope. You talk about your struggle. Mm -hmm. So... Wow, and yeah. the the interesting thing about that is we are all proud Americans in this household, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she's thirteen and talking about the struggle. But yeah, we digress. Uh, what do you all think about the statement "All lives matter"? Do all lives it's matter? So annoying. <laughs> all lives do matter. I mean, yeah, of course, all lives do matter, but like it's def- <laughs> <laughs> it's like so. Oh, of course, all lives matter. That's like literally. Of course, but you know it's another deflection. That, from is, black. Yeah, we might as well not even talk about. It. It's the same thing as the black on black crime. It it's, another it's, it's, it's another it's deflection. It's another deflection, Stop and it. it's like blue lives matter. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, okay, well we're laughing about it, but we all so all lives do matter, and blue lives do matter too, right? I mean, God, of course yeah. they do. They okay. really do. And They're I, supposed to be our protector. Well, let's just throw it out there on the table real quick. Okay, do we value the police? Yeah. Yeah. I just wish that they respected specifically white people. I wish that they respected black people more and that they treat them the same way that they treat white people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you see it all the time. Me and my mommy watch this show called Betty and oh, like boy. yeah. What no 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 no. It's fine. This one girl <laughs> she said she was running away because she started a fight. Um and Oh, I remember. Yeah, okay. she started a fight and then she ran away and all of her minority friends who are, by the way, Latina, Hispanic, and Black, all of them got arrested, except for her. And it just shows her privilege. It's just like... Yeah. yeah. I, I, so what do you say when folks say that there's no such thing as white privilege? That's. Just I mean, is white privilege real? Uh, no, I'm of just course. being honest with you. At this point, like, I'm not willing... If you say that to me, I'm just going to send you a really good few YouTube videos about why you are completely wrong. I'm it's not gonna. Like, I'm, I'm. I'm. Sometimes I'm just tired of talking about it. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I, I feel you. That's where I was getting ready to go with it. Like, <laughs> I'm in the same. I'm in a space where, you really have to decide as a black person or a person of color. Like, am it, I really about to strike up a conversation with this person on this? Because you know, I've already talked to a bunch of people about this, and it's like. <laughs> You know what? I'm kind of over it. Because, you know, the amount of people I've had to tell on the internet why white privilege is real is just unbelievable. Because you're learning. You're acting just you're like You're acting that. just like, you know you cut your mom off, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> oh my gosh. You were saying. Uh, I'm just that when you have to dis it is is exhausting and you have to decide is it worth we were talking about this the other day. Mm-hmm. Is it worth um expending your emotional capital to try and enlighten a white person that is not of great significance to you. Right. Um, and they're most likely not even going to be enlightened. Well, they're just and, not and even going to change and that, their well, point of view. It, it just depends. And so, like, um, because it, it is taxing and it can hurt you more in the end as, as a person of color to try to go there and explain to them. It is really difficult. And in the end, you might come out feeling quite wounded um, and very frustrated. And and you may also reinforce the white person's perspective that the minority is always exaggerating and overreacting or reading things into a circumstance that aren't there. And that is infuriating. And it it is it is painful to watch someone make your a white person make your lived experiences irrelevant by questioning it, um Asking if maybe you're not overreacting, it, it questions your intelligence. Like you can't, you can't possibly understand what has happened to you in this circumstance. You know, it is insulting, and um, you might be so taken aback that you cannot say anything more, or you get so angry that you explode on them. And in my case, now you're the angry black woman stereotype. Yep. And so it, it, you, the person has to be of value of significance. I'm not say value significance in your life for you to choose to go there. And, you know, so, um, I would say don't do it very often. And I'm not about doing that stuff online. Like life is short and I just, I just cannot. I cannot. But you have taken to reading it as of late. I've read it, and you can go down the rabbit hole. Easily enough. Yeah, and I just don't. Which is part of what happens and why folks need to figure out how to get off the um, internet to get into some of these virtual debates. But going back to the point of it, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And if you don't mind me saying, if you don't mind me sharing something that really did happen, with regard to white privilege, when the person said, can I say that? Yeah, go ahead. So the issue, right, is that black women don't know how to raise their kids, yes. which is why their kids are being arrested and shot. Correct. That's just and, so... And she meant that, in a, she was friendly. She was like, She was yeah. trying to explain and educate you. She and she laughed a little bit. Mm-hmm. And this, and you could tell she wasn't trying to even come from a bad place. She, yeah, and that's the thing that probably the most painful experiences with racism are the ones... Is that like... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Is that like they literally say it in like a jokingly way and they don't even realize how like, wow, you legitimately actually said that. Yeah, how painful it is. Yeah, like you'd say that as, oh, uh, you don't even know how to raise your own children. You don't even know how to raise your own black children. Yeah. Like you don't even realize how much that like... That's actually really and me. Yeah. This one kid said that I should read for him in class because I was supposed to be a slave. Anyways. And th- those, yeah, that kid, yeah. jokes like that. That's not, not even funny. That's and he was laughing and I was taken so aback. I didn't even say anything. See, that's like, what I'm talking about. She was no. taken aback. She didn't even know how to respond. And how do you respond in such... I am so trained in this culture to not come off as the stereotype of what it means to be a black woman. I am so trained that even when I am affronted with some microaggressions of racism or some that are macro (laughs) aggressions, like this dental hygienist literally telling me that, you know, 
black women don't know how to raise their children. That's why they go to prison. And she's saying this to me while she's cleaning, cleaning my your teeth. teeth. You know, I'm so accustomed to holding myself that I do not have outbursts. I do not. And that is, it's like I refuse to be the stereotype of what is on the news, a caricature from a movie. I refuse to be it. When you would have been quite justified. I would be justified, but even in the justification, what the world will see is I'm overreacting. I'm an angry black woman. It ain't that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. Why are you getting upset? When this stuck with you for how long? It's been five years. And this is the point that I was getting ready to make. And let me just say this real quick. That the most painful things then usually come from well-meaning white people. White people that they're not mean. They don't understand that they're even racist. That that comment was racist. She didn't even get it. She's literally saying that. And she's saying it to me. And she's talking about other black women. But she's not getting that I'm black. Yeah, she did that thing where it's like, oh, but you But you're not different. you. No, I'm black. You're talking about me. I'm insulted. And she didn't get it. And so it's those things from those white people that think that they're like progressive and they're liberal. I've been most insulted at work by the most liberal white man at my job. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That's where I've been most Say no names. I'm not saying any names. But that was very comical. Yeah, okay. Okay, all right, so. All right, all right. But but going back. Get carried away. So two things on that point. So um, literally, folks may ask, what does this have to do with etching the edges from a political standpoint and the vote? Well, this is about sharing. And in order to close the ideological divide, Folks have to lean into discomfort and get to know people. So what I want to do here is share some of what my family experiences as people of color so that you guys understand. Because if you understand, that means you get close to tolerance and acceptance. And from acceptance, we get to love and we can figure out how to love each other and craft policies that support each other. Mm. These conversations are very challenging and white folks don't get to hear a lot of this. But if we're going to really get past where we've been, and do something magnificent like vote another Obama in, or a, a Sanchez, or Ortego, yeah, or, a, or a Juan, then these are the conversations Americans need to be having with each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, or Chakrapani. These, and in, in, in the other thing that's great about this nation, about this country, because again, America's great, it just has its failings, but when we get past these many, conversations... Many failings. Many failings, but this is the only place on the planet where we can even attempt to do something like this. Mm. These names that I've called out all qualify to be president of the United States. You don't get this in other nations. You don't get this in other countries. This place is special. It's just had its really messed up parts too. But we've got to call out messed up parts and lean to discomfort, right? That's that's what we've got to do. So you're going to hear more about this on Edgy. I just want to talk more. And I'm going to continue to share what my family brings to the table. Even if you don't necessarily think that the topic of racism bears on why you should vote, I'm here to tell you it does. Like I've already said, all politics is personal and all politics is local. And if you decide not to act and not to vote, then what you don't vote for will impact you. So let's move on to the next thing. I want to go back to my family and visiting the Legacy Museum. And I'm just going to ask, you know, yeah, what did you think about the Legacy Museum? What were your thoughts? I got great pictures. So I had a good time. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I I don't know which one because you guys are taking me to so many. Which one is that? <laughs> okay, this is, baby, this is the one in Montgomery. This is the one. Oh, that one. one. Yes. The trip boat, boat thing? Yes, oh. with the boat. Okay, okay. That was actually, although it was just really hot. Yo. Oh, well, that's right. Well, it's okay. Really hot. Okay, like Alabama <laughs> and the South. Yeah. We kind of <laughs> forgot what we were getting into. But we we did kind of get knew what we were getting It was hot. And I I'm mean, always the hottest one. we were also from Georgia. So we were like, oh, this isn't really anything new. But at the same time, we were like, Jesus. <laughs> okay, okay. So, well, all right. Your impressions, though. Yes, okay. the, the museum, baby. The museum. So, I mean, I actually thought it was actually pretty cool. I loved the art. And I loved, like, the meaning that it had behind it. And what really sucks is that 
I know I'm talking about the negative here, but like the fact that we have so little like appreciations or not appreciations, mm-hmm. just I'm so sorry things from America and the fact that we have one of these that are just so big and that hold so much meaning is like great. And it went into so much funding, and it was beautiful. Like, did you see that whole river majigger thing that went, like, down? It was, like, it was, it was really cool. I don't know if you know what Are I'm talking about. Are you talking about the Lynch Museum? Yes. Oh, okay, yes, 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 yes. That yes. one as well. That was so cool. I, I usually love them. I always have a good time because I just like the art, and I also just like what it represents. It makes me feel good as a black person that we at least get the little little crumbs of appreciation and I'm sorry, but you know, I really appreciate it. Yeah, we could get, we could do with more than crumbs, baby. I know we deserve whole gourmets. Yes, whole gourmet meals. Yes. We work on that. We deserve Applebee's. In the morning, you can do better than Applebee's. <laughs> Applebee's. Crab legs. Crab legs. Yes. No. Okay. We talking about steak and shrimp, baby. Oh, but Chick Fil A is good. Yeah, I know that's your favorite. But the bottom line, really, from your perspective, is you appreciate the fact that it's there. But we know America should, and, and folks, especially white folks, get uncomfortable around this. But I think that's why I love to think of this as a second civil rights movement. Because when you look on it the screen, is. like my wife and I were looking on the screen, and we realized that there are more white people marching than black people. And they are so sincere that this is a second civil rights movement and an apology may be in the offering. And that we will be able to get more than just a few crumbs. Okay, I'd like to say something. Wait, I also it. wanted to say something, though. Yeah, baby okay, first. you literally ahead, said 20 minutes get, last time. Ahead, no, okay, no, there, there you go. And now wow. I forgot what I was going to say. All right, mom's going to leave it, in. You know, it'll probably like come to you. Yeah, again. yeah. Okay, go, go. So I, I, I would like to say one thing about um, museums and exhibits as such that I think that sometimes what they can do is oh, the negative thing of alleviating some white guilt. Yeah, okay. Yes. Okay. That's good. Yes. Let me just say, because like, let me feel okay with myself because I don't lynch people. I don't know anyone that's lynched anyone, you know, or um, I wasn't involved in a, a, a police shooting or putting someone in prison or an unfair juror in some black capital punishment case. So... I think to some degree, white people can feel absolved of like really investigating, really thinking about um, themselves and their whiteness in America and how that impacts us. You know, like that's that's from back then. So I don't know that. And even when they're looking at things that are recent, they might think, yeah, but it wasn't me. It wasn't me doing it. So I'm not a part of the system. And so I, I just wanted to put that like put that in there that I think that sometimes that could be counter that could count as counter for white people, you know. Go ahead. What, what are your thoughts? I remember what I was gonna say. Right. So back on the um, museum thing. Okay. But uh so like I keep saying this over and over again, but it needs to be said. You have the Holocaust, which was something that was just absolutely devastating. It was something that should never, ever happen again. Mm-hmm. And it was just disgusting what they did to the Jews. Mm-hmm. Germany, what they did to repay them is they gave them apologies every single where you go. You could not go a block without seeing an apology from Germany to what they did to Jews. Mm-hmm. America, mm-hmm. which has gone through so much of the the way that they have treated minorities, especially black people, and, and we don't, and natives, oh, God, I, yeah. anyways, um, and how they treat us, they don't give us a single apology. The little breadcrumbs that us black people get, the natives don't even get anything. Yeah. They still get mistreatment. We still do. And it's, like, disgusting because, you know, white people say all the time, racism is over, and... It's not even a big deal. Let me show you an example of how racism isn't over. I mean, we're still getting shot in the street. Natives are still getting underfund, underfund, underfunded. You're right. Underfunded yep. for their um. They res- still live on the res. Yeah, on their land, and you know everything should be their they land the because of- it is. It's just like disgusting. You, you can treat you, us so badly and don't even how- give us an apology. Yeah, that's where I was going. We're so the society is so racist 
that you can't even give us an official apology. That right. is just what, like, that's how bad it is. You can't apologize like you so, for this. Like, so, like, embarrassed of yourself, which you should be, that you can't even give black people a few memorials and some apologies will scatter everywhere. I'm say that because... And you don't even give Native Americans enough yeah. money for their own lands. It's okay. like, really? Yeah. Really? And then what they do to Hispanics, like, I could just go on and on about how they treat us minorities. Okay. And LGBTQ plus, but anyways, that's another conversation for Yeah, okay, day. so yeah, that's definitely another conversation. But again, as the kimono is open and you're getting a full frontal flush look into my family, I hope you appreciate it. And I always have to remember to try to tie it back for you guys. So some of you may be listening and you're like, reparations, apology, all that, blah, 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 blah. No, these things are, no one said reparations, <laughs> I know. But I did. But the point that I want to make for those especially who decide that voting is not important. Or I've even seen now where some folks are saying, I'm not going to vote for the president, it doesn't matter, but I will look into voting locally. Look. You're stupid. We, okay, baby. Okay. <laughs> Let's say ignorant. Because okay, they, well, you're ignorant. And, Either and, way. And, and, well, no. Ignorance implies you don't know. Mm-hmm. And you can come from ignorance. Stupid is forever. Okay, that means well, that then you, you're it, just you, really, really ignorant. The okay, fact okay. that you... Oh, you cut me off now. <laughs> you're excited. So my whole point is, as we discuss these topics, such as an apology or or reciprocity for Native Americans, these things are part of policy, too. Mm. You vote on it. (laughs) You literally, you you vote on it. Your city council passes stuff that impacts your local community. Most of you listening right now probably don't know who your congressman is or your senator. And I don't even want to begin to hit you up about who your state representative may or may not be. Um, That's a challenging one because sometimes, you know, we walk into the ballot box and we just say, "Okay, I'm going to click the box on the rest of these names because all I came here to do was vote for president. The change and what I want to push with edges is conversations like this all tied to all the policies. All of them matter. And if you really doubt that, then you should go ahead and take a look at history. Google it. Because now it's free, the tools are there. But Google it and you will start to recognize why the white man, in particular, tried to keep women out of the ballot box and most certainly people of color because they knew where the power resided. And the people that you vote into office get to make the decisions about everything. I want to overemphasize the fact that politics is personal, people. And it's high time you started paying attention to it. Politics is personal. So we're going to go ahead and go to the next question. We are running out of time for this segment, but I'm hoping you're getting a good feel from my family. They will be back again and again. But one thing I did want to ask the Browns is, what do y'all feel about these riots? What's These riots? It's uh, protest. Peaceful protest is definitely the way to go. I don't, I absolutely do not support the people who are, like, breaking into businesses. Like, you, you, I just, I don't, I cannot understand. And, you know, it's definitely not everyone who's rioting. It's mostly people who are peacefully protesting. But the people who are rioting, which is everyone, it's not just one race, stop it. You want your economy to be good. You don't want it to crash. So even if you are black or white, do you want your black-owned businesses to suffer because you don't even realize you're breaking into them? Do you want your minority businesses to suffer because you don't even realize you're breaking into them? It's just like, I don't understand why you're breaking into a business, period, or steal. Like, this is supposed to be peaceful, and this is supposed to be bringing a change. Not, like, fighting and killing and kidnapping, which, ugh. Like, these people, and it's just insane sometimes. Well, I would like to just use some vocabulary to, like, protest, riot, and loot are different things. Mm, But they're mostly happening with all the riots. So, protest is my First Amendment right to peacefully assemble to ask for redress of grievances from my government. And so, I can do that. I can do that um, as long as I'm not, you know, on someone's private property. Um, I can do that to demonstrate my my angst, my anger about whatever. Okay, and that's my right. 
Writing is me destroying property or what have you. And that might be because I am so frustrated that this is what I... Rightfully you know, so, though. Rightfully have, so. Have started to do that. That my and some people might say that I they that people have moved on. You move on to writing because the protesting is not getting you, um, getting you anywhere. And Kaepernick was peacefully protesting, and you know where did they get him? It got him the loss of and that's a, a also kind of where or contract. So. And then finally, you know, looting, now that's where you're stealing. That's where you're stealing. And to, 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 to your point, L, when you're doing it, you might be hurting the very people that you are trying to hold up or um, you're, you're concerned about the problems that a, a certain community experiences and you're just strong and you're hurting that very community. So Keeping them from feeding their families. Yeah. Forgot what I was gonna say. Oh, sorry. Oh, you were gonna say something. Okay, well. We got one more thing we wanna cover and we're gonna go ahead and close out this segment, but I I do wanna say so a couple things, right? Um riots and, and, and protests. As Doctor King said, riots are the language of the unheard. And when he was interviewed about the riots that were occurring, he said he will not judge those people because they're left with no recourse. Mm. Still, we do understand, we get it, but we don't want you to do it. We don't need you to do it. And I'm very thankful that the large, the the vast majority of the protests have been nonviolent. Now, there have been some people that have been killed in some riots that have happened over the country um, as part of this protest. I know that, you know, some innocent people were caught up and they were killed and they're not getting any national attention. You'd have to actually look it up to find some of these people who have lost their lives in the midst of all this as part of the chaos. But, you know, we, we don't we don't advocate for that. But we do advocate and push for peaceful protests. Kaepernick had it right, and it's about time people started to listen. Now, this last topic, before we close out this segment, and again, I thought, I'm thinking this is a wonderful introduction for how we want to build Etch the Edges and, again, you know, do the leaning into discomfort and sharing around difficult conversations is my daughter wanted to talk about Democrats versus Republicans, uh, liberals versus conservatives. I'm going to be quite honest. I don't know where she's going with this, but she's a 13-year-old leaning into critical thinking, and she she always speaks her mind, as you can all already tell. So I'm going to let her have it. Okay, so I just feel like (laughs) I'm going to offend a lot of people. We try not to offend so many people. Well, go ahead. Go Do what you do. Okay, I guess I'm just going to try and say this in the nicest way I can. I just feel like sometimes if you're a Republican, you really just cannot comprehend the way that minorities go through. Like, I just... That's just honestly how I feel. Like, you know, you see Republicans all the time. They just... Sometimes they just use their critical thinking or their, like, little... The data that they have, and they don't even realize that it can sometimes be flawed. And, of course, that's on the liberal side as well. I just feel like most of the time when you're a Republican, you're just like kind of advocating for white people to stay in power in the government mm. predominantly. Mm. And I mean, you could see it all the time. You Liberal. could possibly see it just because of just what is the demographic makeup. The exactly. Makeup of the it's Republican is predominantly white people. Mm. And then liberal is predominantly minority. You can just see it right there. And I mean, of course, there are minorities who are in the Republican Party as well. I just, I mean, that's also another thing. I, I just cannot understand when you're a minority and you're a Republican. This does not make sense to me. But, you know, sometimes, you know, the things I see rep- Republicans advocating for, just like you want to build a wall for Hispanics not to get across. Like, and I don't think you realize that the reasons why Hispanic want Hispanics and Latinos want to go to America is because they want more opportunity. They want to get away from their country that is most likely in economic ruin and so that they can get away from their life that didn't give them as much opportunity. You're just taking away their, like, you're just taking away their opportunity. And I just cannot understand that. Why would you do that to someone? Why would you make it so that they aren't going to be able to 
be like you in the society. Mm. Which, you know, it makes sense because you want to stay in power and stuff. But we're, we're in 2020. This should be over. Mm-hmm. Minorities should be having the same rights as white people and not getting shot in the street, kept in cages, and underfunded. It's just ridiculous to me. I just cannot understand. Right. Well, you know, I think you might have touched on it, right? Um, You said that you the the fear is giving them and making them the same well you know i think that and it's funny we've got a book in our library that geraldo rivera actually wrote and it was and geraldo is a on fox news still and he's 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 cuban and he, he i think the book was his fear or something like that but the bottom line is the wall represents a desire to keep the country pure, which, you know, or or as pure as can possibly be. And that's coded in couch language in modern terms. And it's, it's unfortunately, it's not CS in its, in its source, but they'll never say that out loud and they will fight you and say that that's not the truth. Even they'll even lean on the fact that the wall is to prevent terrorism when that is stupid beyond belief. Now see, now that's what we can say stupid versus ignorant. Because if you think that wall is going to prevent terrorism or even keep keep people who want to really come to America out, then after really looking at it, you will find yourself either very ignorant and refusing to become educated on the topic, which qualifies you as being stupid. Um, but we don't want to cast aspersions and put names on people without proof, so we're just gonna leave that part out there. But the wall doesn't the wall doesn't serve any purpose, and that brings up another point that we want to actually highlight, and we can't forget that in America in 2020 there are concentration camps. Yeah. And as we slide into November 3rd and we it's elect a new president, it is it's not embarrassing. It is horrible. No, I'm saying it's embarrassing because America is supposed to be known as the country that gives you all rights and all freedoms and you're supposed to get all of the dreams that you're hoping for. But we still keep poor little children in cages. Our Native Americans are still being taken and going missing. And children who are kept in cages are literally going into sex rings and being sexually abused. It's disgusting. And it's embarrassing that we still go through this. Well, like... We've no. never not gone through this. We have never been a country of equality, of opportunity. Uh, we ha- that ha- we have never been that place. That is just the the, the false narrative. The about, facade. Uh, yeah, about our origin. It's just it's just it is is completely fraud. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's like really, mm-hmm. I just expected so much, so much more, and I was sadly beyond belief disappointed. But anyways. Well. I want to go ahead and close this segment out on this note. The interesting thing about that and saying that in closing is we're right. America's never been all of that. But the funny thing is, and that's the trick, when a bunch of slaveholders got together and wrote a document, the sacred document at the founding of this nation, it was a way of doing and governing totally different from the rest of the world, antithetical to any other form of government at the time. And they wanted to uphold these ideals, these ideals, these ideas became ideals of what America should be. And that's the fantastic thing about America, because you see, in this country, the Brown family gets to be part of a team for a podcast called Edge the Edges, and we get to broadcast that to our delight, without fear of, uh, of any kind of retaliation from our government. Those are our freedoms. They came up with an ideal, and that's what America represents, and that's what we need to try to continue to fight for and vote for, because the American ideal is still unique in all the world, and our stories couldn't be anywhere else. It's just like President Barack Obama said. He firmly believed that he could not be who he is anywhere else, and I happen to believe that as well. So the American ideal is what we continue to try to fight for and what we want to grow for, despite the rot at the founding of our nation, slavery. We're still working through that. And at the end of the day, hopefully, as we continue to evolve and grow, we can vote in people who can change policy and make our country all the more better. I want to thank my family for participating. Thank you, L. Lindsey Brown. You are very vocal and passionate and 
and you lean into discomfort and you say the things that are on your mind and I really do appreciate it. You are awesome. Erica, thank you so much. Erica, Erica Brown, I know you're not used to me calling you that. <laughs> My wife. <laughs> thank you for your participation and thank you for your sharing and of course we will have both of you back again real soon to cover critical topics here on Etchy Edges. You got any final parting words? Uh... I don't know, be open-minded <laughs> and just, you know, put yourself in other people's shoes and realize, you know, what the other side goes through sometimes. It can be either side, like white people, black people, minorities, anyone, so. Yeah, Good deal. Um, that's it. It was nice having this opportunity to um, broadcast the kind of discussions that we have quite often, and thank you for me to participate <laughs> all right thank you ladies all right folks we'll move on to the next segment episode of Etchy Edges. Understand, this is truly a labor of love and an appeal to the best in all of us. An exercise in true American liberty. And, and it's okay to say American liberty. So many of us have become accustomed to seeding America, the word, its symbol, its usage, to those who most don't act American. Let's take it back. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast, so please like and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Etch the Edges. And don't forget to visit our website, etchtheedges.com. That's etchtheedges.com. Check us out and pick up something that will express your commitment to the cause. The cause of a better America, where we all can stand together at the mountaintop. Be good to yourselves and each other. And we'll see you in part three of Edge the Edges, the one about the introductory podcast. Take care.